Let's turn in our Bibles to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. We're going to start there. If you want to give this a title, you can call it Standing by a Word from God. Standing by a Word from God. We're not destined to tragedy, defeat, or failure. God's called us to be overcomers, and he always gives us the victory and causes us to triumph. And as we choose to believe and trust God, that's the victory that overcomes the world. And here in Hebrews 10, toward the uh, end of this chapter, the writer is talking to believers who had been standing and believing for something in their lives for a long time, and they were be beginning to get weary, and they were tempted to uh, give up. They were tempted to, uh, you know, cast the, throw in the towel, just say, you know, we've we've stood, we yeah, we've had enough. Uh, you know, we could have gotten along with our lives. Uh, was you know, has it really been worth all this time and effort we put in? Well, we just had a word from the Lord that um, that we're not wasting our time, Amen. And that the, the everything we've been standing for, the Lord, we're, we're receiving it, and the Lord is is bringing it to us, and we're receiving it, receiving it in Jesus' name, Amen. So uh, this is pretty much the word that. Uh, the writer here in Hebrews is trying to encourage these believers with because uh, they have been believing God for a long time without seeing any results. In 1 Timothy 6.12, Paul tells us we must fight the good fight of faith. In 1 Timothy 1.18, he tells us we must war a good warfare. And in Ephesians 6.13, he tells us, having done all, to stand. So basically, Paul is telling us that we have a fight on our hands, doesn't he? That's basically what he's telling us. And if the word of God being fulfilled in life was easy, then every Christian would be an overcomer. But not every Christian is overcoming. But just as there are Christians who don't overcome, there are many who do, and that's the company of believers that we're in. Amen? We're, we're going to be part of this company that are overcomers because that's God's will. That's his express will for us in his word. So we want to be included in this company of believers who overcome. And that's what this uh, Hebrews chapter 10 is going to lead into Hebrews chapter 11, where we find this uh, hall of faith, uh, faith heroes who uh, received a word or a promise from God and they stood by that word and they refused to let it go until they received what they were believing for. So that's what we're going to get into. To, we're going to begin to kind of introduce this today. But in Hebrews 10 verse 35, he speaks to these believers who are being tempted to, to give up believing. He says to them, Therefore do not cast away your confidence, 
which has great reward. I think the uh, King James Version says great recompense of reward. This word cast means to throw away or discard something or to get rid of something that's no longer needed, required, or desired. These uh, believers had become weary and they were tempted to discard their faith, to, to throw it away, to discard their uh, confession of faith. Uh, possibly they were thinking, well, if God were going to do it, he would have done it by now. How familiar does that sound? We've all, been, we've all been there. We've all had to resist that and push through it. Uh, so he says, do not cast away or throw away or discard your confession of faith. Um, do, not, do not cast away your confidence. Now, confidence is a boldness or frankness of speech. It's daring to speak and believe um, without hesitation. It's daring to speak or believe without hesitation, and it describes a bold confession with unflinching authority, which depicts confidence. It, it's a type of confession that uh, describes confidence. When these believers began their walk of faith, they began with a bold confession. But as, as time began to pass on and perhaps they experienced, um, uh, you know, uh, a little discouragement here and there and, and as time began to pass along, uh, they were, and things didn't happen in their time frame, they became tempted to throw it all away as if it was never going to come to pass. Now, this verse in the New International Revised Version says, so don't throw away your bold faith. So don't throw away your bold faith. So that describes a confidence in what they were confessing. And he's saying, don't cast that away. For it has recompense, a great recompense of reward. This phrase, recompense of reward, refers to a payment, salary, or money that is due. A reimbursement or a settlement. For an expense, a person has paid out of his own pocket in order to get the job done. So this is, this is what... Uh, uh, we heard the Lord this morning say, I have seen your st stand of faith and, and I'm going to reimburse you for your bold stand of faith. So don't, uh, you know, don't give up. Don't be discouraged. I'm going to reimburse you. I've seen your stand of faith. So he's saying if you will hang on and, and continually boldly confess your faith in God, payday is coming. Amen. Amen. He's saying payday's coming. God will reimburse you for everything you have given out, everything you stood for, and your uh, unwavering uh, confession of faith and stand on God's word. Verse 36 says, For you have need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. Now, this word endurance means to stay or remain in one spot. It means refusing to surrender 
and refusing to give away any territory that's been gained. That's what this word endurance means. It means to be immovable until your faith promise is manifested. To hang in there, to never give up to obstacles and turning down every opportunity to quit. That's what the word endurance means. The message translation says, but you need to stick it out, staying with God's plan so you'll be there for the promised completion. So we need to stick it out. Amen? And we have stuck it out, and we're going to continue to stuck, stick it out. Amen? And stay with God's plan because we're going to receive the promised completion. Hallelujah. So, Father, I'm praying today, Lord, that you will uh, give us fresh understanding, fresh insight, fresh revelation from your word, Lord, that will enable us to continue to boldly confess your word and to uh, boldly stand by your word without wavering and see it all the way through to completion and fulfillment in our lives in Jesus name amen hallelujah so he goes on to say so that after you have done the will of God you may receive the promise now uh, what I heard the word receive several times in what Betsy gave forth uh, about receiving, receiving from me, receiving my promise. This word receive means to obtain, to get back, or to recover. To receive what is due or what one has coming to him. So that's what we're receiving. We're grabbing hold. We're laying hold. Like 1 Timothy 6.12 says, Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold or receive. That's what we're doing. And that's what he's telling these believers to do. Not to cast away their confession. This is no time to give up. Not to cast away their, their bold confession that they began, out, they began and they started out with. But because uh, payday's coming and, and we're going to be rewarded for our stand and for our refusal to surrender and our refusal to, to give up and our refusal to believe the lies of the devil when he has tried to, to pressure us to, to give up and give in. So he's, he's telling these believers, your reward and your recompense is on the way as long as you don't give up. Amen? And that's basically what we heard this morning. Hallelujah. Verse 37, For yet a little while, and that which is coming will come and will not delay. Now, um, when it says, for, for yet a little while, this word little is the word micros, where we get the word microscopic. So the Holy Spirit is encouraging us that in a microscopic amount of time, that which we have been waiting for will come. Payday is on its way. As long as we endure, we hang in there, we stay put, immovable, and we don't quit. And that's what we're resolving to do. Amen. Amen. Because this is a guarantee. Amen. 
God's word is a guarantee. Hallelujah. Verse 38. Now the just shall live by faith. But if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. Now the just shall live by faith. Faith is a supernatural persuasion that comes from the word of God. It comes from hearing the word of God. It's the divine ability imparted to us from God in his word that enables us to believe and to trust God. And, and it, it's a, an ability that uh, propels us forward. Faith is always moving forward. Faith is never in retreat. So if someone's retreating, they're not in faith now. They have moved from being in faith to out of faith. If they are retreating and, and, and drawing back. He says here, the just shall live by faith, but if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. So when you're in faith, you're, you're always moving forward, never backward. Now the word draw back here means to retreat, to regress, to backslide, or to shrink back. And shrinking back usually occurs gradually. You usually don't just jump from one day to the next from a bold stand of faith and a strong confession and all of a sudden one day you're out of faith and, and you've just thrown it all in and you give up. It, it usually happens gradually. And as a person experiences a little bit of discouragement here and there and they gradually begin to slow down their confession of faith and what they're believing for and, and over a period of time uh, they'll realize not only are they not confessing what they're believing for, they're not confessing the promises of God anymore, now they're confessing something actually negative. And this usually happens over a, a period of time. Other translations say, but we are not of those who shrink back. We are not of those who shrink back. So having relentless faith in a bold confession is the exact opposite of shrinking back. So that's what he's encouraging these people to do. Maintain your bold confession. Don't shrink back. Don't discard your faith. Don't discard what you've been confessing and believing for. Uh, relentless means unceasingly intense. Relentless means continuing without withering or shrinking. So relent, having relentless faith is, is the exact opposite of shrinking away or drawing back from faith. Relentless faith stands by God's promises. To draw back also means one who reverses his direction. So again, people don't usually do this from one day to the next. It, it usually happens over a period of time where they, they uh, are no longer going forward. Now they're beginning to withdraw and retreat and reverse in, in uh, the opposite direction. So this is what the Hebrew believers were tempted to do. And they were thinking what we were believing for should have happened by now. So what's the use in carrying on? So, and the writer here is encouraging them, no, don't do that. Don't shrink back, don't draw back because, because 
God has no pleasure in that. We, we go on down, Hebrews eleven six. we all know that verse, but without faith it's impossible to please God. So, so the opposite of faith, retreating and re, re, withdrawing, uh, gives God no pleasure, and, and we don't want to be guilty of that. Um, when we turn back, retreat from our position of faith, it doesn't please God. The message translation says, if he cuts and runs, I won't be very happy. <laughs> Verse 39 says, But we are not of those who draw back to perdition, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. Now this word perdition refers to something that is ruined, decaying, or putrid. Something that stinks. If you can think of the worst thing you can think of, when it goes off, how putrid it smells. This, is, this describes the word perdition. When people retreat from their position of faith and they throw away their fearless confidence in God's word, they begin to exhibit a stinky attitude. Now, I haven't met too many people like this, I don't think, but I can I do know I've run across a few people. You may have met a few people that say, yeah, I, I used to be one of those faith people. I used to go to those yeah. faith meetings. Uh, but, um, you know, God, God didn't do what I was believing for, and he failed me, uh, you know, and I, I'm, I'm not going back. And they begin to have a bitter attitude, you know. Yes. They have a bitter attitude toward God. They have a bitter attitude toward other people of faith who are, who are still standing and believing and uh, trusting God. They, they begin to, uh, to have a bitter attitude just in general. And they believe that God has disappointed them and God has let them down and, and all this. Uh, and these are people that you want to move away from, really. You don't want to hang around these people for very long. Uh, these people... Uh, and I think probably the people I'm thinking of that have experienced this, that I've met, were probably people who were believing for healing or something like that, or believing for a relative to be healed or something. Yes. And, uh, you know, either they weren't healed or it didn't happen like they thought it should, and they, they turned their back on, on the word of faith. Maybe, maybe they still go to church somewhere, I don't know, but they definitely turned their back on... on uh, faith and believing God in these areas and uh, you can just tell uh, you know you can just tell they, they've got a, a bad attitude now toward God and they, be, they become cynical um, and, and they have really I guess what you could describe as a spiritual stench of you know uh, this putrid attitude that causes you to want to move away from them and and you think I you know I'm not going to hang around these people you know because they emit they emit uh, this bitter attitude Jesus described it this way in Mark 4 verse 20 in the easy to read version he described these people, but they don't allow the word to go deep into their lives. They keep it only a short time. 
as soon as trouble or persecution or time, you could throw time in there, when, when time becomes involved, um, because of the teaching they accepted, they give up. As soon as trouble or persecution comes because of the teaching they accepted, they give up. Those people at one time, they, they believed the, the word of God. They, they had faith. They started out in faith. They got excited about yeah. the word. Uh, but over time, uh, they began to shrink back and to fall back. Uh, and probably for most of them, it hasn't turned out very well, unfortunately. Verse 39, but we are not of those who draw back to perdition, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. Uh, in the God's Word translation, it says, we don't belong with those who turn back and are destroyed. Instead, we belong with those who have faith and are saved. Amen? Amen. That's us. Yes. So faith is always moving forward. Let's say this together. We are not the people who turn back. We belong to those who have faith. Payday is coming. Restoration will take place. Deliverance will come. Financial provision will be received. Amen. Isn't that, that's what we heard this morning, isn't it? Amen. Yes. Praise yes. God. That's, yes. That agrees with what we heard. Hallelujah. Yes. So um, we move in here. This, this book uh, is all one letter, but um, these books in the New Testament, they were all one, one letter. But a few hundred years ago, these chapters and verses were added just to make it easier to find passages. So these scriptures and, and uh, these verses and chapters were added just for reference reasons. But it's all one letter, it all flows together. So then he moves into chapter 11, where he begins to talk about ordinary people, these Old Testament heroes of faith who received a word from God and they began declaring it with confidence. We know uh, that they had opportunities to throw away their faith and walk away, but they refused to do so. Um, and as a result, their names are recorded in the Hall of Faith. But these were just ordinary, ordinary everyday people. I, I think these, uh, these Old Testament believers, and some of whom we have listed here, we're still talking about their faith today. Uh, I think it's it's so remarkable because they were not even New Testament believers. They weren't even born again people. Uh, at the time they were alive, you know, Jesus hadn't gone to the cross. Satan hadn't been defeated. Satan had the authority on this earth and he was walking up and down this earth pretty much freely. And uh, these people had very little revelation of Satan and his strategies and so forth. Um, they didn't have the, the New Testament. They didn't have the Bible as we have it. They just had like the first five books of the Bible and that was it. Um, 
So to me, they had remarkable faith. That what they achieved was absolutely remarkable. Uh, you know, when they're probably looking at us saying, okay, folks, you got a whole lot more advantages than what we had. You know, we're expecting a whole lot more out of you, you know. So, so praise God. But um, it goes um, uh, in verse 2. I'm going to go back to verse 1. But in verse 2 it says, For by it, faith, for by their faith the elders obtained a good re report or a good testimony. So they obtained a good testimony from God. God testified of these people's faith. And God approved of their faith. And, and it pleased him. And these people transformed their world and their generation. So he says in verse 1, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now, the word faith means to persuade, to trust, or to believe. It's an, a divine ability from God that is created by the Word of God. It originates from the Word of God and it creates a divine impulse or ability in us to believe and trust God and it propels us forward. It never retreats. So it's a divine ability to trust and believe God and it comes from His Word. Now, I was reading this verse uh, I was reading from a Greek scholar on this verse who stated that the word now does not actually appear in the original Greek language. And um, I found this interesting because the vast majority of all the translations of this verse use the word now. They all start with now. Uh, and I found that interesting. So I wanted to look this up for myself. Uh, it's not that I don't trust these people really, but I just like to see something for myself. I want to know it for myself. So, so I, I just like to look these things up for myself. And uh, this word that's been translated now is just a little two-letter word, D-E, day. And now is one of several words that's used to translate it. But it can also be translated, but or on the other hand. But or on the other hand. Uh, I went on to find out that this word is never used as the first word in a sentence. And it usually occurs second, the second word in a clause. So let's read it that way. Faith, on the other hand, is the substance of things hoped for. Now remember in chapter 10, he ends by encouraging the believers to hold tight to their faith, not to shrink back into a stinking, decaying condition. These people were tempted to draw back and shrink back from their confession of faith. Then he directly moves, he shifts from talking about those who want to shrink back now he's addressing individuals who did not shrink back. They held on to their faith. And now he says, but on the other hand, faith is a substance of things hoped for. He's shifting 
the focus from shrinking back to talking about Old Testament believers who stood on the word of God and received the promises. You could also read it, uh, but faith, on the other hand, is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So this is the opposite. He's shifting from withdrawing from faith to moving into faith. So he says, faith, on the other hand, is the substance of things hoped for. It's moving forward. It's not shrinking back. He's, he's making a comparison here between shrinking back and faith and how faith, it, uh, faith here is really, the, the word substance here really is more of a description of how faith behaves and not so much about what faith actually is. It's not really a definition of faith. This word substance is very similar to the word endurance. The word uh, endurance means to stay under something. The word substance means to stay by something, to stay by a person, a promise, uh, a piece of territory, and not to move away from it. So substance, I don't think, is probably really a very good translate, English translation of this. Uh, it's the attitude of one who's determined to stand by a person, a principle, or a promise and refuses to be moved. So it really describes how faith behaves more than a definition of what faith is. So if we insert the meaning of faith and the meaning of substance into verse 1, uh, we could read it like this. Faith is the supernatural persuasion from God that creates the divine ability to believe. The substance that stands by unmoved, refusing to budge from what God has promised. So this, this action, uh, it kind of describes how a bulldog acts when it, when it grabs hold of a bone. Uh, it finds the bone of its wildest dreams and it grabs onto this bone. And uh, I, I've heard that the bulldog's jaw is, um, is, is organized in a way where it can lock. It can lock onto something uh, and it's not letting go. It's not letting go of that thing. And you can take that bone and you can try to pull it from that bulldog, but you're going to drag the bulldog across the room before it's going to let go of that bone. Yeah. And this is, that's really what this uh, verse is talking about. It's, it's the, the substance of things. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. You, when you're standing by God's promises for healing, you don't let go. When you're standing by God's promises for finances, don't let go. When you're standing by God's promises for restoration, in your family or in your possessions, hold tight like a bulldog and don't let go. That's what this is, is this verse is describing. So faith is the divine ability from God's word to believe and trust him and to stand by and hold tightly to things hoped for. Now things hoped for uh, describes continuous expectation of something 
that has not yet manifested yet. That's, that describes hope. A continuous expectation expectation that something will take place even though it has not manifested yet. The evidence of things not seen. The evidence of things not seen. This word evidence is used to describe uh, a court of law where a lawyer will con convince someone of something positive. It's a conviction of something positive. It's being convinced of something to the point that you have a real conviction about it. So when you're in faith, you're convinced that what God has promised is going to happen. His word is the title deed, the divine guarantee, the indisputable evidence. It's like in a, a court of law, a lawyer will present indisputable evidence to convince someone of something positive. And God's word is our title deed, the indisputable evidence that is going to happen. Now the Amplified Classic translation brings this out. In verse 1 it says, Now faith is the assurance, the title deed, confirmation of things hoped for, divinely guaranteed, and the evidence of things not seen, the conviction of their reality, faith comprehends as fact what cannot be experienced by the physical senses. So in verse 1 here, we see three descriptions of how faith behaves. First of all, faith is a divine impulse from God's word to believe and that it propels us forward. It's a divine, it's like a divine spark or divine impulse in your spirit that it's a supernatural ability to believe and to trust God and it comes from his word. Secondly, faith stands by the promises of God and never lets go of what it's believing God for. That's what it means when it says faith is the substance. It stands by God's word and it never gives up on what it's believing God for. Thirdly, faith is a strong conviction that what God has promised is going to happen. The evidence of things not seen. Verse 2 says, For by it, by, what's the subject here? Faith. For by faith, the elders obtained a good testimony. So in this context, the elders are the Old Testament heroes of faith that, that are mentioned here in this chapter. These individuals, ordinary people, received a word from God and they stood by it until it was manifested. These people we know experienced great pressure to shrink back from their faith and to throw away their confession of God's promise. But they were convinced in their heart that what God had spoken to them would come to pass. And this brings us back to the importance of making God's word final authority in our lives. Putting the word first and making that word final authority. This is what the word says. Uh, God's not changing. 
God hasn't changed. He's, his word's not going to change. My body's going to change. My family's going to change. My finances are going to change. Whatever. Uh, my circumstances are going to change because God's word's not going to change. And, and I think you've got to have a conviction, a revelation uh, about God's word being final authority over everything. Uh, final authority over what we see and what we feel. And that's the basis of what we believe, not what we see and not what we feel and not what we hear. Uh, because anybody who's, who's standing in faith, those are the things we have to deal with. This natural realm, things, circumstances are telling us we don't have it, we're not going to get it. Um, and the devil uses this natural realm to try and, he tries to convince us that we're not going to get it. He's like, the, he's like the prosecutor in the court of law, the, the one telling us that, that we're not going to get it. He's given us the bad news, the negative news. But God's word uh, is the evidence that we, it's the divine guarantee that we do have it. And I think that's where we, we really come back to making the word final authority in our lives. These people continuously, persistently, stood by God's word to them and saw his promises come to pass. Uh, verse 2 in the contemporary English version says, It was their faith that made our ancestors pleasing to God. The Good News translation says, It was by their faith that people of ancient times won God's approval. So God approved of their faith. God, God personally put his stamp of approval on their faith. And we want God's stamp of approval on our faith. Amen? Verse 3. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were made of things which are visible. Now this scripture is often used to support God's creation of the visible world, the, the earth and the universe, when he released his faith through words. Uh, he, he, we know that's true. He did use things that are not seen. He spoke words uh, that brought into existence the visible realm. He spoke, he's released his faith through his words to produce everything that we can see around us, that is true. But if we uh, stay with the context of verse 2 here, he's talking about the elders of, of faith, these Old Testament believers. So if we stay within the context of verse 2 here, referring to these heroes of faith in the Old Testament and how God was pleased with their faith, then verse 3 must also be talking about these same people. So we also know that um, the word worlds here in the Greek is not the word for um, planet and it's not the word for universe. So if we stay in the context here, this is not really talking about the creation of uh, the earth or the universe. It says, the worlds were framed. The word worlds here means an era, an age, or a period of time in history. 
It refers to decades or centuries or generations, a, spe a specific period of time in the past history of mankind. That's what this world means. It says the worlds, the, this, these, uh, this period of time, these decades, generations, these eras were framed. And this word frame means to men, to alter or to reshape something that already exists. So it's not talking about creating something out of nothing. It's talking about taking something that already existed and transforming it and reshaping it. For example, like uh, if a potter makes a, you know, a vase and for some reason they're not happy with it, they can take that vase and they can just reshape it and, and remold it into another, uh, into another item. They don't start all over. They don't have to start all over with a brand new piece of pot of clay and, and make and transform that piece of clay into a bowl. They can take the vase and they can they know how to transform that and make a bowl out of it. So that's what this is describing. It's transforming or altering something that already exists. So by their stand of faith, this means these Old Testament individuals stood by the word that God gave them and they altered, they reshaped their generation and their world at the time that they lived in. That's what they're it's talking about. Their faith affected people around them. It changed their family. It changed the people who knew them. It changed their generation and their era. That's what it's referring to. And we're still talking about their faith today. It says the, uh, the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which were seen, which are seen were made of things which are visible. Uh, where it says by the word of God, it, it can, uh, this word is rhema. This is the word rhema which means a word, a command, a report, a promise, or an instruction. So you could read this uh, by a word from God, not just the word from God, but by a word from God. So let's read this verse. Let's put all this together, and let's read this verse. By faith, the unbending, never give up kind of faith, the supernatural persuasion from God that creates the divine ability to believe, that stands by unmoved, refusing to budge from what God has promised. We understand that the different periods of time within the past history of mankind have been framed, altered, and reshaped by people who received a word from God so that things which are seen were not made from things which do appear. So these Old Testament heroes who received a word from God, by faith they stood by, they held tightly to what God promised them, and as a result, they altered and reshaped the history of their generation and the world. It, it, it radically changed their lives it radically changed their generation, 
their families, the affected people around them. And this is why the devil is fighting so hard uh, to get us to cast away our confidence in God's word and give up because he knows if we stand, if we stand by the word God has given us that we are going to reform and we're going to alter and we're going to reshape our families and our businesses and our lives and our sphere of influence and we're, and we're going to impact and affect the people around us. And this is why he's, it's not just about us. He knows that our testimony is going to affect a lot of other people. It's going to inspire their faith. Yeah. And this is why he works so hard to try to get you to give up and quit. Because your, your faith is not, is not just about you. It's also going to affect many other people. Amen. Amen. So the first step to receive is to receive this rhema word, to receive a promise from God, whether it's for healing or finances or family situation, a rhema word that God gives you that you hang on to and that, that you're uh, standing by that word and you're b believing God for this word to be manifested because that becomes the foundation. It's that word that becomes the foundation for our uncompromised stand. Amen? Amen. So let's say this together. I refuse to discard my confession of faith. I refuse to discard my confession of faith. I refuse to shrink back. I refuse to shrink back. I'm not wasting my time. I am not wasting my time. I will stand by the promise God has given me. I will stand by the promise God has given me. Let God be true. Let God be true. But every man a liar. But every man a liar. Payday is on its way. Payday is on its way. Amen. Amen. Amen.